I'll get started then. Hello and welcome to movies. Oh, <laughs> I might have messed that up. <laughs> yeah, you really did. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Got well, you. We'll just, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll include this. Uh, um, all right. Are you ready for real? Um, ready for realsies. Okay. I'm going to start talking. You will not talk until <laughs> I give you the cue. So. <laughs> Welcome to Movies with Heart. I'm your host, Sam Fullhart, joined as always by the indefatigable Paul Fullhart. No relation. Um, all right, this week we're... Sorry, is that... <laughs> that was quite that the introduction. Fine? I'm still not really sure what that means, but I, I appreciated it, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's like you are incapable of being like worn out, or it was kind of... Uh, very uh okay cool party (laughs) well we can cut this out and then um no i like it okay it's gonna stay in i'm gonna make sure it stays in (laughs) this week we're gonna be discussing anchorman the legend of ron burgundy uh paul what is your relationship with anchorman well, I have a very deep relationship with Anchorman. Thanks oh, for asking. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thinking back on it, uh, I didn't see this one in theaters. I was a little too young uh, when that came out in 2004 for this type of a comedy. I probably watched it a few years later. Um, I think I, the last time I saw it was in high school. So it has been a decent time since then. But I, this is like one of my favorite comedy movies growing up so this has a special place in my heart what about you sam i believe i was in eighth grade when this movie came out i also did not see it in the theater but i was incredibly excited to watch it i remember i was on some field trip and a couple of kids in front of me were watching it on their laptop and i remember catching some of it through that so i was super excited to watch it i yeah, it remember... sounds like the beginnings of a deep relationship <laughs> oh yeah yes um I remember going to Target and they only had the unrated edition. And, you know, I was a pretty good boy. I wasn't, you know, looking, I wasn't trying to get the unrated edition, but, you know, I, uh, I just, just decided to go for it. And, uh, thankfully mom and dad, my mom and dad, uh, were fine with me, uh, purchasing that. I don't know if they, I don't know if I told them actually, maybe I, maybe I just, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe no one noticed, um, yeah, because of that, yeah. that's the that's the only version of the movie I've ever actually seen. Yeah, so. it's not. I I used to think that unrated meant like worse than R, but in this case, it's like there there's one scene where he says the f word like five times, and I think the cat poop scene is drawn out in the unrated version, but it's really <laughs> not as bad as most R-rated movies. Um, but yeah, so I, I bought the movie before I had seen it. I just I knew it was going to be great. And I think I watched it with the rest of the family. Um, and yeah, I I loved it. It was it was really my introduction to so many of the great comedic actors of our time. I, I had seen Will Ferrell in oh, um, an elf, uh, of course, um, and I was trying to think before we recorded who else I had seen before. Vince Vaughn was in Lost World. So I don't know if I actually remembered him from that. Yeah, um, I, I certainly didn't recognize him. <laughs> um, between yeah, he, 
Um, and then um, I, I knew who Ben Stiller was. I think I'd seen Meet the Parents at this point. But I, I had no familiarity with Paul Rudd or Steve Carell. Um, are there any other? Or like, um, oh, what's the guy who plays the boss? Uh, well, we'll do oh, some research. Yeah. Um, that's the one guy. He's, yeah. um, what, Fred Willard or something? Oh, Fred? Yeah, Fred Willard. Yeah. Or wait, um, is, and Fred is Armist that him? Is also in there. We have two two of the great Freds are in this movie. But yeah, it's Fred Willard was the one I was talking about. Fred Armisen's also in this. Um, so it, it was just yeah, it was an introduction to uh, you know just some amazing comedic actors. It also I, I know it was produced by Judd Apatow. I also had no idea who he was before this. So I feel like this was kind of my introduction to just. An amazing period of comedy. Um, what, what, what about you, Paul? What, uh, I'm guessing you were at a similar place. Yeah, this is a very, very similar experience for me as well. This is definitely the the beginning of like this kind of level of comedy. You know, something a little more than like a children's comedy or something. Uh, this right. this definitely introduced me to these players. I'm trying to remember. I might have seen Get Smart before this, which has. That came out after this. Um, okay. Yeah, but I'm saying I might I didn't see either like I didn't see this in the theater. So I think I may have seen oh, okay. Get Smart before this. Um which has Steve Carell and it also has the sports guy. Um Oh, uh David Keckner. Yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> That's right, the guy yeah. that does sports. Um, sports guy, champ. Um champ guy. Yep, good old <laughs> champ. Uh so yeah, th- this was definitely a big um big movie as far as yeah me getting to know i didn't know who most of these people were and i think people that i was supposed to recognize probably for part of the enjoyment i definitely didn't have that and i was like you know when all the news areas people clash i had no idea who anyone was in that scene um yeah oh right yeah i i definitely missed but yeah it's i yeah i really enjoy it i'm very curious how it will hold up. Uh, what What do you think on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to hold up great. And the reason I think that is because I still remember most of the movie. I still love quoting it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, it'll be, I, I think I've probably seen this movie 20 times. And I, I don't think I mentioned how long it's been since I've seen it. It's probably been about 10 years for me. Um, but it, I watched it so many times when I was in high school that I, I still it's just like seared into my mind. Um, so it's I, I don't know how much I'm going to laugh. Like it's I don't tend to laugh as much when I know exactly what's coming. Um, but I, I think it's going to going to be great. What, what yeah. about you, Paul? Yeah, no, I see what you mean. This movie kind of told us what comedy is. So right. if, that, if it's our definition of comedy, then it probably will still be funny. I also think. The thing it has going for it as far as aging well is it used the like movie shortcut of it's set in a different time period. So different like workplace things that may have aged well or aged poorly don't age poorly because it's actually of like a time before um, where, you know, more there was more workplace harassment and the movie is actually making fun right. of a lot of that stuff. Um, so I right. think, it, you know, it can kind of. It, it can get away with a little bit more because it used the cheat of, oh, what if we set this movie in a time where all these terrible things were happening? Then we can do these terrible things and poke fun at it. Um, as right. opposed to if it had been set in like current day of 2004, 
I think those same jokes would have aged much worse. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I, I think now. I, one thing about this movie that I, I think it was kind of one of the first comedies that I recognized as satire. And I'm not sure that I knew what the word satire uh, meant back then, but it, I, I understood that they were making fun of a certain attitude in the workplace towards women. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it'll hold up great from that standpoint. Um, I, I just had one final thought that was sparked by you. You mentioned the, the scene where all the different news agencies fight. Um, I remember, uh, I was, I was getting into Roger Ebert's reviews around this time and he gave the movie three stars. I believe I'll, I'll check this when we he, he did. I actually was just looking at it. So, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But one thing that I really remember is he did not like that scene. And he thought if it was going to be in there, it should be like a dream sequence or something. And I remember just thinking, Roger's wrong. Like, this is a hilarious scene. It's so funny that they, you know, clearly in the next scene established that it actually happened. And the characters are kind of (laughs) talking about the consequences. Like, you know, Brick, you better lay low for a while. Um, So... (laughs) This might have been the first movie where I, I disagreed with part of Roger Ebert's review at a time when I was pretty much taking what he said as gospel. So do you have any final thoughts, Paul, before we go back and rewatch this incredible film? No, I, I think I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, and I, I definitely enjoy the absurdism of that scene. So I, I feel like it's going to hold up. But yeah, I think that's all I had. Awesome. Well, we will be right back. All right, we are back. Paul, what did you think of Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy? Is it still funny? Yeah, honestly, after watching, I thought it was funnier. I thought it was funnier than I expected, honestly. Um, I was a little worried about some of it holding up. And then as we kind of got going to the movie, I'd say like a few, I was maybe five minutes in and I already written down like four jokes. (laughs) And I was like, man, I'm going to need to slow down. Otherwise... I'm just gonna be writing jokes that I love down the whole movie. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it kept it simple with the plot. Um, there wasn't too much going on, and I, it, yeah. I mean, I think I'm a little biased in this case. I also, I knew that I do a lot of references this movie, but there's a lot of things that I've been in ways that I've been referencing that I forgot came from this movie. So I think it it also highlighted that for me. What about you, Sam? Uh, yeah, I, I also really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I watched this by myself. I remembered basically everything. There, yeah. were, there weren't any surprises. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't know if I was just like in stitches the whole time, but I I appreciated the humor a lot. I certainly chuckled. Uh, I Yeah, I, I really do. You, do I, you laugh at things when you're watching them by yourself? Just in general? Um, <laughs> Sometimes I sometimes I will laugh. I I think I generally laugh a lot more when I'm with other people. But did, did this movie something. get anything? Uh, there, uh, yeah, there were definitely times when I I laughed a lot. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe we should just get into some of our yeah. favorite. And yeah. and we're just going to assume that people have seen this movie. I think it's really that you're really not going to get much out of a discussion of Anchorman if you haven't watched it um because there's not I also much- i don't know if you need to have watched it to follow well, okay. our discussion <laughs> I, don't right, know if the, right. I don't know if the plot's yeah. that central to and like 
the talking about the movie to be honest That's it's more true, of a right? ve- it's more of a vehicle for jokes to happen than a essential part of the movie going experience that's true i i guess i yeah i was thinking if you haven't seen you might not appreciate the jokes as much if you haven't uh watch it oh. although a lot <laughs> i of think as long as you know the carry i think it's more character based and situated so i think we'll be fine okay yeah. okay well, I'm sorry to alienate. Uh, but yeah, so keep listening. Don't uh, don't uh, turn off this podcast. Uh, everyone is welcome, regardless of your familiarity with Anchorman. Uh, okay. Unless you haven't seen this movie, and then you're not welcome. Okay. <laughs> but other than those people, That's everyone's welcome. Yeah, right. If yeah. you haven't seen movie, there's something wrong with you. So yeah, exactly. It's a little concerning. No, just uh-huh. just kidding. Basically, all you need to know is there's an Anchorman. And he has some struggles as he's trying to become a greater anchor man. There's love involved. There's drama. Yeah. And he's that's trying the movie. to adapt to the changing world. You yeah. know, women all of a sudden can diversity. Uh, yeah, right, right. Tough, yeah. tough concepts. Right, right. <laughs> that's one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Uh, when uh, Ed Harkin, the, the head guy, he's talking about how they want to diversify the news team. And then Ron says, uh, I believe diversity is an old wooden ship from the Civil War era. Um, so, uh, if you don't think that kind of thing is funny, then uh, Anchorman not, might not be for you. But um, Most what, jokes it, are kind of like that. So. that yeah. <laughs> um, Did you have any favorite jokes just off the bat, Paul? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I had so many favorite jokes. Um, honestly, yeah, I probably have like 30 jokes written down here. Um, but maybe... Um, yeah, I guess kind of looking at it. So how how did you like the character of Ron Burgundy? Uh, I, I think he's great. I think that um, I, I mean, I think one of the the satirical points of the it, it, it's kind of he is a guy. He's like a big fish in a little pond. He You know, he is the the most successful anchor man for local news in san diego so uh and everyone in his world until veronica corningstone enters it you know thinks he's awesome um but you know to to anybody outside of that no one outside of that world is going to know who he is is going to think anything of him so i think he's kind of a great um just like it's like a certain type of person you know who yeah yeah and i think they did a great job with him in terms of they took it to the next level where, like, even within the movie, it does not make sense at all why everyone likes him. Like, from the yeah. beginning, and even when people come around on him, like, it's just super obvious he hasn't earned their, his redemption yeah. at all. But the movie acts like he's just much better than he is, like, the right. entire movie. It's acting like he's a different character than the character that we're actually seeing on the movie and he's really like separate from everyone else in that way like everyone else is kind of treated like what they're doing on screen lines up with how they're being treated but he is like there's just a huge mismatch the entire movie between there's there's just a couple key parts when they like actually align but for in the middle but for the end of the beginning it just doesn't line up at all and I, i really enjoy that um, right. I mean, is it maybe just he because he is the you know he is the lead anchor he of the the most successful news team in San Diego. People just kind of assume that he must be a great guy, like because of his status. People just sort of uh, no. I, I just think it's a joke, to be honest. Yeah, just, but do you, 
Do you think there's any like? I don't think it makes sense at all within the movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you kind of just have to be on board or not. Like go with. I, I mean, I think there are lots of times, and you, you know, it's like the whole emperor. Ha- the emperor has no clothes thing, where it's like if someone is in some high status position, then people just kind of assume, oh, they must be there for a reason. So what they're saying must be, you know, intelligent and witty. So I, I think that, I think there might yeah, be a little, no, bit yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely using that, um, for, for quite a bit of it as well. Um, but there's also situations with like relationships and more interpersonal stuff where it should not come around at all, which is totally separate from that, where it also works out in his favor. I think that's when it stretches your right. like, disbelief, is when it's, you know, stuff with his, you know, Veronica's Corning Stone at the end, or, like, she clearly should, like, hate this person. There's no reason that she would like him right. at all, but she somehow, they somehow rekindle their love at the end, <laughs> um, and she just instantly forgets him, even though during this time, he's still doing the same terrible things he's done the entire movie right also um, earlier on too i mean she's playing it straight um yeah you know, she's, like she's aware of how inappropriate the other people are at the the news agency but then and then she goes on uh a um i don't know what they call it it's not not a date um, it's a it's a, a like a work associates meeting or meeting, something yeah <laughs> right and then she ends up falling in love with it. so it, it makes no sense that she falls in love with him initially. yeah and and, uh, and and that's and that's kind of what i was meaning as far as like in those type of stuff even in I, that interpersonal stuff there's a complete disconnect it's the movie acts like veronica's you know talking to someone that is not the person that we've been seeing on screen the whole time like she and especially with her playing it's kind of straight it's like she clearly would not like this person at all but somehow she just does anyway <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoy that. Oh, yeah, no, me too. Um, what do you think? So Brick is also somebody who he's played by Steve Carell, and he has an IQ of, what, 48? Uh, um, yeah, something like that. I think that's what yeah, they say at the end. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he's uh, mentally retarded, uh, and he it seemed, people kind of act like he belongs there. Too. He just says these completely random things that have nothing to do with what they're talking about. And uh, and people act like he's supposed to be there too. So I feel like he's also kind of in the same boat where people just kind of accept him, even though he should. I mean, he should have been fired. Uh, I don't know how he got the job in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And that's and that's definitely where. And I I really enjoy the aspects of the movie where it's making fun of like a you know a, a local news station and that I mean. The, the weather person at a normal news station <laughs> isn't exactly <laughs> saying a lot of good making things. A, They're a literally genius. looking at a map and right. saying the numbers. So <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that they right. took that to an extreme. And you have Champ, who's also, I mean, arguably has a yeah. zero. He has like a 48 IQ, also arguably. Right. And it seems <laughs> um, like he's drunk most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the, those those two definitely are like, there's no way these people have their jobs. Whereas, like, you know, I think Paul Rudd is, is Brian Fantana. I think there's some, like, you could on some level think this person actually is an employed human being. Right. <laughs> um, he's still ridiculous, like, completely ridiculous. Yeah. But I think they're, yeah. 
It um, seems like if they have to have a character uh, in that group, uh, <laughs> like say something sensible, it's always going to be Brian Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, he at least knows how to like talk to another human being. <laughs> right. <laughs> from time well, to time. I didn't think it's fair to watch uh, when Gray <laughs> be just getting mad at the panda for not coming out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean... No, no one in this movie is too too real, but um, yeah. I guess who 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 are your favorite among the the cat like among the side cast? Yeah, among the side cast, I I would go with Paul Rudd, and I think he was he was one of my favorites uh, back in the day, and then this time around too. I I I mean he he has one of my favorite lines when he's uh, showing ron his uh, collection of uh uh you know colognes and, and whatnot and yeah. he uh he's talking about sex panther and he he says uh well there's a few things he said he's like there's a lot of things that he says hey, there. it's a real panther so you know it's good um, and then uh they've done studies you know 60 percent of the time it works every time um, exactly that that's one of my favorite i quote that like every day almost I <laughs> that, that, that's, that, I've, yeah. I've been i've been using that one for forever yeah. <laughs> um um and i think i don't know he just has he thinks he's so cool and seductive and yeah i don't know i i mean it's just yeah like the way he the way he smiles it, it's just uh i think i think it's a it's a great comedic performance um yeah, what about you? Did you have any others? Yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think Paul 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 Red to me honestly, he 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 was he yeah. was the standout <laughs> for me. Like I think, you know, Champ and Brick, they're funny, but they're they're more like in your face. Like they they they're pretty right. like one note whereas Paul Paul Red's character was capable of like you didn't necessarily know what joke he was going to make all the time. Right. Obviously, he has those like Sex Panther jokes, but he also had just some random lines at the end you know, different scenes that are just really, you know, funny lines. But yeah, I mean, I love the yeah. Sex Panther scene when he goes through. <laughs> you have Ron Burgundy saying, I think that sound that smells like, what was it? Like oh, unfiltered just, gasoline. He's like, and, uh, and then, uh, and then the as, that smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> yeah. And then as he's going through the office and they hear like, you know, that smells like Bigfoot's dick is a yeah. line that I've, I've, that's another one that stuck with me for, for a long time in my life. That's, it's a classic. That is a great line. Um, did you watch the did you watch the theatrical version? I watched the unrated version. Okay. Um, I wanted to keep it consistent with what you were watching. Have you ever seen the other version? Or maybe we talked about this on the oh, we already talked about it. Okay, okay. And I I, I yeah, so I, I got to I kind of looked for where it made sense that uh, okay, yeah. that's that that's where the movie <laughs> would stop. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, it was um Trying to yeah, some of my other I loved like in the initial setup how it you know it I thought the the movie started off really strong where it quickly establishes through like showing all, all those shots of like the people around San Diego like the hardcore bar people and like the little oh, yeah. girl all like saying her first words so I think it does such a great job of like setting it up but then it goes to and they get like the top ratings or whatever so you know they're on right. top. You know they're super dumb, but then you go to this party, and they're talking, and then Ron Burgundy he says something like, "We've been going to the same party for twelve years." 
Yeah. <laughs> and there's no way is that depressing. <laughs> I, just, I love that then it kind of establishes that like these are also guys that well they've been on top. They've also been like stuck in the same spot for a super right. long time. And they're kind of like in, in this in this kind of rut. And it's just I thought that line was just so 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 funny to kind of yeah. kick things off where it like just yeah, you as the viewer, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're they're complete losers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and it just it it does that all in like just a few minutes which i really enjoyed um yeah yeah uh were there any other performances that and and there i mean if you haven't seen this movie recently there are so many uh little cameos and i was just when i was looking i i didn't recognize him watching it but tim robbins plays the lead anchor for the the um public the pub, news. yeah public news yeah <laughs> and then you got jack black and seth rogan is a cameraman yeah uh, i did not i was trying to look for seth rogan i, I didn't even figure out which person uh, he was so i'm gonna be honest he's probably on screen for like 10 seconds he's so at the cat show he's the guy oh yeah like, yeah, yeah 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 you're right yeah. all right i can see it now um yeah do you know the, um, the comedian paula Tompkins? no okay well, he's a comedian I have grown to really like since uh, in like the last five or six years. And he plays the guy hosting the cat show. Um, so there's okay. random people. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or like, um, I really like, you know, Fred Armiston is T- Tino. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I re- really, really enjoyed that one. It's the like the local nightclub. Yeah. Um, I like the, when the, the Will Ferrell like goes to. About people like you in my country. <laughs> <laughs> How's that go? It's like the the cat the oh I, I'm gonna forget I'm gonna botch it. It's so random. It's hard to even remember something about coyotes drink eating the flesh of the. <laughs> they drink the blood of like the maidens or something. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, so it's pretty wild. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I, I really loved um, Fred Fred Willard's performance. I really enjoyed that character because, yeah. like, he's sometimes he's just like the main news guy, but then all of the phone conversations that you get yeah. to hear throughout the movie, where he's talking to like the different people about like his kids that are yeah. like <laughs> doing I, the worst things imaginable. <laughs> yeah, I so yeah, the first one he has a son who is into German pornography, <laughs> yeah. and then he like. He makes some, he's like, oh, you know, you and I, we're both adults. We've seen our share of pornographic materials. And like, oh, you haven't. No, neither have I. And then at the end, he says, he's talking to a sister, Margaret. Um, yeah. He's assuming that a, a nun has seen her share of pornographic materials. Um, yeah, that the, one's classic. Like the, the, yeah, and then there's later on in the movie, it's a marching band, and he's his kid apparently yeah. brought it like a gun to it. He's gonna he's like, like do a shooting. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, and no, he, we can do, play it off as like a prank or something. <laughs> and then he just tells him to get out of it. Oh, I'll, you know, and then he just just completely like ignores his son because uh, because Ron is uh, is back. Um, yeah. So he's kind of just yeah, like the totally the absentee father whose kids are just um, just uh, you know uh, just unhinged, um, and there's no time for them. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so he plays it so straight too. He's just acts like you know this is just normal, yeah, just the average stuff. parent stuff that you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I was uh, I was wanting to talk a little bit about the the style of comedy in Anchorman, yeah. and just as a little bit of background. So it's interesting to um, if you look at the people involved in this. So um, Adam McKay, the director, he worked at SNL. Uh, Will Ferrell, who is the co-writer and also the star, he started out in the Groundlings, and then he was on SNL for a while. Uh, Steve Carell was in Second City. Then he was on The Daily Show, where he was one of the he would like you know do all these yep. stories. Steven and Steven. <laughs> right, right, and, and a lot of that was basically improvising with you know unwitting improvisers who didn't know that they were being made fun of, and then yep. Techner who plays champ. He was also in second city and also on SNL for a little while. I, Paul Rudd and Christina Applegate, who plays uh, Veronica, they were the only two people who didn't have backgrounds in sketch comedy and improv. So this, so almost everybody who worked on this movie was coming from that background and you can really see it. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I guess when you watch it, every scene is basically a sketch. That's loosely yeah. tied together by the plot, um, which I thought sometimes served the movie well, and sometimes it didn't. Um, yeah. You could definitely tell when I hate to say it, Sam, but mm-hmm. I think I've become an old crotchety person because I think my least favorite scene in the movie on this watching <laughs> was <laughs> the, the the anchor person fight between the different news stations. Because I think for me, just watching it like. When I thought back to it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a funny scene. But then just watching the movie, that scene literally comes out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah. There's been zero setup to this scene. They're literally <laughs> just walking after a different, like, interaction where things are going bad at the station. And then they're yeah. just in this insane fight. And then it's just, like, there's just a few references after. But I feel like they could have just cut that scene out of the movie. And it would have made complete sense, like, yeah, without so- that scene being there. <laughs> So they're mad about Veronica Corningstone. She's she's a co-anchor now. And then uh, Ron says, oh, you know, to get out of this existential funk, let's go buy some suits. Then they can't find the suit store. And then they run into the other news teams. And then for no apparent reason, I, I guess the other news teams are kind of ragging yeah, they're, them. They're all rivals, but... Yeah, and they're ragging them about having Veronica in there. So it's sort of tied to the story in that way but then they just fight and then um yeah and then there's a, a scene right after that we're like what well, boy that escalated quickly <laughs> um, and then, and then it just kind of over and and there's i mean and i think it is funny that they acknowledge how just completely random that was and 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 how they like don't really uh, yeah they just sort of don't make that big a deal you know it's like a uh, break you should probably hide away for a while yeah, um, killed you killed a man with a trident <laughs> i didn't mean to talk to you about that you should probably yeah. you know find some relatives <laughs> and or something and lay, lay low for a little while <laughs> yeah but yeah but. there it, it contributes nothing to the story um i think the only way that you can appreciate it is, is just a, just something completely out of left field it just like you can only appreciate it for the sheer randomness and absurdity yeah. of it um but yeah that's that's fair um uh, yeah well how did how did you like kind of the overall like use of the, the kind of more sketch comedy throughout the movie yeah i so yeah i'm kind of mixed on it i um 
you know, I think there are a lot of scenes where it's basically just people say funny stuff and then the scene ends. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really go anywhere. Um, and I, I, I thought one of the funniest places where this happens is in the, the scene where they sing Afternoon Delight. So again, it's like, there's no real, like, this scene does not need to happen. Um, no, I, th- I, thought, I thought, that, thought that was a good scene. I think they keyed that in. So the scene um, needs to happen because Ron and Veronica just had their big night. And he's feeling great about it in the morning. I think, I think it makes logical sense. It makes sense to have a scene where he tells his friends that he's in love with Veronica because she's told him that she wants him to keep it quiet. But then they yeah, just exactly. kind of... Then they start talking about, you know, what is love? Uh, and then Ron's answer to that question is to sing the song Afternoon Delight. <laughs> and then they sing, they sing the song. And then uh, Ron's like, oh, I, I got to make a phone call. And they're just kind of like awkwardly. Yeah. Just, <laughs> as if it had, hadn't even happened. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny in a scene like but, that. Yeah, I, I do. I see your point, though. Yeah, as far as they could have just left it at him telling them that he's in love and as opposed right. to doing the, the rest of the scene. I, I, right. now, now I understand. Well, yeah. scene, it's just about, it, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be funny if they sang Afternoon Delight. And because mm-hmm. it's just about that, there's no real way to end it other than to just say, okay, now that's over. Let's <laughs> yeah. move on to something else. <laughs> so um, I was curious what you thought. So there are several sections in the movie where it's basically just, uh, like the first example of this is Veronica has... Uh, t- taking a job at the news station and then each person each of the main guys takes a pass at her so it's just like okay uh champ's gonna take a pass at her then brian's gonna take a pass at her and, and then there's also like later on when she is a co-anchor and they're trying to get back at her and so it's like uh ron and champ are gonna do a prank phone call and then they're gonna mess with the teleprompter and then they're gonna do another prank phone call like did you I thought a lot of those individual scenes are funny, but it kind of, it's just like, uh, we're going to do the same kind of thing, like, again and again. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to talking about it being, like, kind of the improv, where they're just more like, let's let these two characters have a scene where they're doing this thing, and then we'll get these two characters in this situation and do funny things. I I thought it worked well, because I I thought it, like, kind of showed the way I took it, you know, it's kind almost a montage uh, yeah, like in the way they present it, so I I thought that helped it to work, um, and kind of suits this kind of st- sketch comedy that doesn't really, you know, it's just a quick scene that doesn't really right. make sense with to have like a beginning or an end. So it kind of works when you present it all in a line, and it kind of shows the passage of time as they're trying to right. do these different things. So I I thought I thought it was actually effective storytelling, if you will. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> is what is I think um, you know, especially at the beginning when they kind of you know, each take a pass, you know, you're kind of establishing that, you know, Veronica, she's trying to make her way at the news agency and, you know, all these misogynistic <laughs> people in in the charge, you know, they're there and then plus, you know, you get all the funny scenes. I thought know it does a good job of establishing i didn't think it's overstated it's welcome they, yeah. they're able to keep them all pretty quick and that's they, that's they're, they're each like unique and yeah that, you know i mean you have the sex panther scene which we already yeah. talked about at length it's an cl- absolute classic but then you know you have your brick you keep it short and he, he has no idea what's going on right <laughs> kind of scene and, you know you have the the ron ron burgundy's final attempt with the 
pants tent is probably one of my favorite things ever <laughs> where he's trying to be super genuine and like oh we're just gonna he's already <laughs> bailed off of like yeah he's bailed off of the trying to ask her out situation and now he's saying that it's going to be a co-worker's outing and then <laughs> scene ends and i thought they do such great camera work where it's like close in on their faces yeah and then it shows like veronica and it shows her eyes like yeah look down at the end when they've established that it's purely professional and then of course ron just has the huge direction and it's yeah. just like how do we how do we deal with this and then it kind of fizzles out but i um, i love that I, I also remember uh my mom thought that was so fun <laughs> i remember her just laughing hysterically at that and i thought it was funny already but the fact that my mom thought it was so funny just made it even better <laughs> exactly um, yeah so yeah honestly yeah I, I, th- I thought those things worked i also you know i liked when, the, when they first kind of you know, I guess a lot of the scenes when you get down to the core, it is they say something and then each of the characters, four characters react to it. Yeah. Like, you know, when they initially tell them that Veronica's going to work there, each of the four characters do their thing. Right. Then they, right. in that, each four characters try to pick her up. Then they do the thing where she's going to be an anchor person. Each of the four characters do that. And then you even have situations where... Like just any interaction where they're all four in the scene, each person has a joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, let's make sure Paul Rudd has a joke. Let's make sure that Steve Carell gets a chance to make a joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I I didn't really notice it in the in the moment. It's like it didn't bother me. I guess. Um, Yeah. See what you're saying. It doesn't bother me. I, I guess I another thing that I would say is just like I think it's great to have lots of different styles of comedy, lots of different types of stories and i think so i guess maybe to to get to the positives more i think i I, like this style of comedy lends itself to having a lot of really funny lines like the the story is so undemanding that you just you (laughs) give the actors so many opportunities to be funny um and i also I, i mean we've talked about ron um i think you know all of the characters have they have their own kind of distinct personalities but they're they're sort of just like types, you know, like mm-hmm. champ is like a man's man, but who also may be gay. Um, <laughs> Brian Fantana is like the, the sleek kind of sexy guy. Um, and you know, Brit is brick is just dumb. Um, so, you know, not having like very well-developed characters also gives the actors a lot of freedom to improvise and, you know, cause they're not, they're not having to be too worried about whether they say something that's inconsistent with their character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, and I, I was also just thinking watching this, like, I, I mean, how, I, what would you like, how many jokes per minute do you think there are? That that was the thing that kind of blew my mind, which yeah. I was like th- trying to think about other comedy movies that I've seen more recently. Yeah. And like, it's just not even comparable, which yeah. I really, I thought it was great because I felt really economical in the movie and that not only there were there so many, but they were actually, I really liked most of the jokes. So the fact that they had so many, but I like, I, they're all like lines that I quote to this day coming right. at me within like, you know, the first five minutes of the movie, there's like 30 different jokes that I love. But um, so I was, I, I really enjoyed that aspect. I haven't seen a comedy like this. I feel like this style of comedy has kind of died out um, in yeah. recent times. So I, to me, it was really enjoyable because I haven't seen, and you know, we went through a period where there was a bunch of movies like this, this kind of, right. um, 
started a big thing where all you know the all the this kind of same crew of people that are in this movie actually right. they're in a bunch of comedies where they're all in the same movies and they're funny and they kind of do similar stuff but i think this is kind of the best example of this i also thought the thing that kind of surprised me on this watch through because i was just i don't know i've seen the movie a lot so i was looking for extra things was i liked i thought there was a lot of stuff that like more the director did um to add comedy both in like also this actual scenes there was some like different physical comedy and props that i thought were hilarious like one of my favorite things was brian fantana's rubik's cube on his desk it was a two by two (laughs) (laughs) i did not notice that (laughs) and it's just like a small detail the camera never even focuses on it they're in his room for only a couple scenes but it's always there just this little two by two (laughs) 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 it was just stuff like that that just like really cracked me up on this this watch through so I, i there was not only so many jokes in the dialogue but even like visually they were constantly like throwing jokes at you um, oh, that's re- that's great! I had not noticed the Rubik's cube. <laughs> yeah, I'd never noticed it before either. Like, yeah. You know, um, uh, what did you think of the like? Just on the visuals, what did you think of the the like fashion? And uh, I, I, did you have any uh, favorite outfits? Man, yeah. honestly, yeah, I was like, man, we should dress like this now. Honestly, yeah. I think I think Ron Burgundy kind of kills it. I know it's kind of a boring yeah. answer, but his turtleneck like oh yeah and blazer combo throughout the movie is just <laughs> impressive um it's just variety of colors he's bold it really it plays the i think the turtleneck mustache long hair combo yeah. it, was, it was really working for me i got some inspiration there um what, yeah. what about you i mean i love the 70s fashion and style and uh yeah i love the long hair sideburns and mustache. i mean i've had so many people tell me that sideburns are lame I think maybe you even told me that at some point. Yeah, oh, I'm sure I've told you that. <laughs> but, you know, just watch Anchorman. And, uh, you know, I, I also, you know, I think uh, the, like, uh, Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd have great chest hair, too, which is on display in several scenes. <laughs> and I, I just, I think the 70s was a time when hairiness in men was was really in fashion. And, uh yeah, I I really like that. So, uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, just gonna put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just see how let that one sit there. Yeah, for yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that they like just they went all out with the their their dress, but they they like dialed it up to an extra notch just to like make it extra funny, especially because yeah. no one else in the movie was dressed nearly as like gregariously as right. they were um so i and but i also liked that you know you have ron and you have brian that are more like fashionable because that, that makes sense for your characters right then you have brick who he's he's like the square character see he he's always in more of like sweaters he's got his hair more pasted down i think you know and then you have brick or you have champ who's champ, got the yeah. cowboy hat having a good time over there <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed. I thought there was a lot of attention to detail. Like for me, that's the biggest thing in movies like this. Yeah, is that it's just I like it when a movie isn't lazy. Like I, I think there's a lot of times when, like a comedy movie like this, it's easy for them to kind of take shortcuts and not worry about some of these small details. But when they put like extra effort into some of these other details, that's when I, I just I really notice it and it keeps me in the movie more. Um, right right 
Um, yeah, I I was just trying to think of other random things that I I saw. Did you do you see the headline that uh, Veronica Cornerstone breaks up child slavery ring? What I missed that one. <laughs> I thought that was really funny because mostly they're doing these like totally like fluff story, you know about yeah yeah World's everything like, that we hear she's given is super dumb. Yeah, and then <laughs> it just makes no sense with everything else. Um, I wish I, I didn't catch all of the the um, different headlines about her, but I thought that one was really funny. Oh, that's uh, amazing! Yeah, and yeah. It's stuff like that, or you know, you have like Baxter and the dog Baxter, who's <laughs> one of my favorite characters in this movie. So cute! But him, him and Ron, both in full headgear yeah. at night, is probably <laughs> one of the cutest things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like that, just the little dog. Oh, it's it's so adorable. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I think, I don't know, that's like, so Will Ferrell had been an elf the previous year, and there is something just kind of, like, cute and adorable about him, even though, he, you know, he's such a misogynist, he's so full of himself. I don't, I don't know what it, what it is exactly, but there is like a certain genuineness to Will Ferrell that I, I really like. Yeah, in a weird way, he's kind of innocent. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's super, he's completely oblivious to everything around him. He's kind of in his own world. Right. And the, the world doesn't work the way that he thinks it does, but yeah. he really thinks it works that way. So you kind of got, got to appreciate that. In him. Right. <laughs> um, um, so I, another thing that I wanted to hit on was just the, the satire in this movie. And and I guess to to connect this up to the, the style of comedy. I think this might be one area where I think I think you could do this. You could have a movie that that was a comedy about a a woman, you know, entering a local news station in the seventies, and you could have it be you you could you could do it in a way that was um, much more focused on the story and the characters. And st- I think still be funny and may- maybe be like a, well, I guess, yeah, I guess what I'm asking is more of like a dramedy or something or. <laughs> yeah. I, so what did you think of the, the satire in this movie? Okay. Yeah. The style of comedy helped or hindered the satirical points that they were trying to make. I would say a little bit of both um, at the end yeah. of the day. I think, you know, first of all, I don't think that the movie was trying to make any hard hitting point. I more think it thought, hey, this is a funny time. We could make a movie about this interesting time where there's kind of a change in, uh, you know, local news stations. But I, I don't think it was ever setting out to make like I don't I don't think the movie ends up making a huge point. I mean, Ron right. gets everything he wants and he doesn't right. change. Like none of the characters change at all throughout right. the movie. So I, I don't I think it, the the plot and the is more of a vehicle. Um, which I think they did do. I think their parody of the local news stations. I think it's really funny. Um, yeah, there's some aspect of it in the movie. With I guess watching it again, where I felt like they had maybe 45 minutes of funny stuff to relating to that plot setup, and then yeah. <laughs> maybe 50 minutes, and then they needed to fill the rest of the time with other funny stuff that's like not that related to right. the overall premise <laughs> of the movie. Um, how like how how did how did you feel like it went as far as like actually like I guess going off of that plot like 
Yeah, so I, I mean, it's definitely not a focused satire. It, it's very mm-hmm. scattershot. There's like, you know, lines here and there, and there are scenes that kind of that are more focused on the dynamics of you know this this woman entering this male dominated uh, place. Um, I so maybe maybe I was I was overthinking it, but I I do think that the movie does kind of capture something that I, I think you see a lot. Um, in I, I guess well I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully I can articulate this well. So I think I think there's like two sides to how the the men react to Veronica. So on the one hand, they see her as a threat, like they're they're you know all up in arms about her getting a job there, and it seems mm-hmm. like you know they think she's going to totally change things. Um, but then on the other hand, they see her as a sex object. Ron, like when she tells Ron that she wants to be uh, a network anchor, he thinks it's just, a, she's just joking, which is, that was a really funny. That's a really funny scene. I wrote it down in my it. journal and laughed about I, it later that evening. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really a joke. Funny. Exactly. <laughs> I thought you were kidding. Um, so they kind of like, sometimes they act like she's this big threat. And sometimes they act like she is just like a sex object who wants to get married and have kids and who's like to the extent that she has goals at all, they're totally compatible with what Ron wants. So I think that's kind of interesting. And I think yeah. you do I think you do see that in lots of places where like um you know some some outside like some you know, marginalized person or group is seen both as like a threat and also as kind of like less than human. So I thought that was interesting. Um, they could have just really focused yeah, no, on one side or the other. <laughs> I, I didn't really think about it at the time, but that's looking <laughs> way deep into it. That, that is a really good point. It's a complete like juxtaposition. So I oh, think that's actually, you. yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe the movie had more than I thought, so. Um, I, I mean, I, I've spent probably like 30 minutes this morning thinking about this, so it didn't just immediately come to me. But I, yeah, I think both of those elements are clearly present. And uh, yeah, so I, I really, I really like that. Um, yeah, because it kind of shows that they, they don't make sense together. Yeah. And then in this way, they're t- we're taking them to the extremes of they both are doing so much work to get her like removed from the position because they clearly... Here's a threat, but then why would they also look down at her and right. think that she's yeah less than them if they also think that she's the person that could like ruin their jobs? Right, um, right. So yeah, wow, I learned something today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was maybe thinking I, I don't know exactly. I, like one th- thought that I had, uh, and, and I'm not sure how much. I don't know if there's any evidence in the movie to really, but maybe just thinking about how this dynamic actually plays out. Maybe part of the whole like seeing her as just a sex object and as someone who just like, you know, just wants to to be Ron's wife and have kids. Maybe that's kind of like a one way of neutralizing someone as a threat is to just act like they're not a threat, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to just kind of ign- just tr- if like if you if I treat this person as, you know, as not a threat, then maybe that I can like make that a reality. Um, so I don't know if Ron, I, I, Ron seems pretty dumb. So I, yeah, I, I think in another way you could kind of say that like 
it's he yeah he's not dumb enough he's not smart enough to figure this out he's just kind of reacting on instinct and he kind of has the juxtaposition of there's one side of him that's telling him that he is like i think he's just genuinely attracted to her and he wants to date her so he has like two sides of him he has the side that like i really like this woman i want to go out with her and then he has the side of him that's like on a completely separate place that's i don't want to her to like advance further at at work um right kind of like two separate things then he has to be faced with the fact that those are gonna both kind of be related and affect him Um, right right he can't can't have everything he wants right in this case and he i mean he does show he is very genuine in expressing his love even when the even when his colleagues kind of see him as like lame or gay for uh, I like I like it when Cham, he's like just telling them to take it easy on Veronica and Champs like you sound like a gay uh, um, yeah no I mean she she's the one she she kind of changes Ron he's he's been a it's been a wild man and she she causes him to settle down so there's on some on some level he he clearly genuinely likes her but he just doesn't fully understand um like yeah all of the ramifications and the things you know i think there's things that he likes about her that are also the things that make her a great um newswoman or right. anchor woman or whatever <laughs> uh, I, that's he, another he's bo- coming sorry, to terms with that oh yeah what were you gonna say oh just another funny like it's anchor man not anchor lady and that is a <laughs> scientific fact oh yeah um, um d- yeah do we uh, d- do you have anything else that you really wanted to get into on this one uh, that we've covered a lot of yeah. it i i mean I, I guess just to hit on something you already said i i wish there were more movies that had like this num the, the the like jokes per minute of anchorman um i yeah i like and and, and yeah who cares whether you have a great story or whether you know the the I, I mean all of the 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 ending is like really you, you're not you know it's it's all absurd there, there's no part where they ever try to like really pull on your your heartstrings or like make you you know feel genuinely uh like anxious about what will happen or you know so i yeah i just i wish there were more pure comedies um where would yeah, you that's, break? go oh, ahead yeah i was gonna say i mean yeah that's the hard thing these days we're kind of living in the blockbuster nothing kind of world where the it's you know comedies are more the middle budget movies and, right and those those really just aren't being made these days because it's just the way the market works now it's pretty much just you make a blockbuster or you can make like your very low budget horror movie and those are kind of the ones that can succeed in theaters but they're really not okay in like these original ID idea comedy movies. Those all go to streaming, right? And they honestly, let's be honest, tend to be of lower quality. Even though there was yeah. a couple last year that were good, like um, what? There was, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Palm Springs, or something? The one, the one with Andy Samberg. Um, oh, I should watch it. Was, it was a really good, kind of Groundhog's Day comedy but overall um there's just definitely just a lot less and they also just they don't get the limelight that they used to even if there is a good one they tend to not be in theaters and when they are in theaters no one goes to them (laughs) when they are good and it makes me sad um but 
Yeah, the com- comedy and gen- comedy is just the main category. It's kind of died. It's more of like every movie we see has comedy in it. Yeah, <laughs> but they're not like straight comedies. Right. Um, yeah, and that's another thing that I find kind of annoying when every movie feels like it has to have some comedy in. Like, what what's wrong with just a pure drama or a pure comedy? Um, so where where would you put this in the like? Judd Apatow. So Judd Apatow was a producer, I guess I should say. Um, He's kind of responsible for a lot of these movies. Where would you rank Anchorman in comparison to, say, Talladega Nights or, um, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm exceedingly biased in this case because Anchorman kind of started it all for me. As the movie went on, I think 90% of my jokes nowadays (laughs) stem from Anchorman. Yeah. <laughs> um so I mean it sits at the top for me. There there's really honestly no no big competition even among just comedies in general. Yeah. It might be it might be my top comedy. Wow. That's a bold statement. Bold. I know. I haven't thought about it that hard. Yeah. And there's probably a lot of other comedies that I love, maybe even more, but I'm just going to say it now and go with it. I like it. But what what about you? Yeah, I it's it's hard. I so uh, the forty-year-old virgin is also one that I really oh, like, yep. and that one has more of a story. It has some genuine heart. Um, I it doesn't have the jokes. Per, it it does not have the, the the same number of jokes as as Anchorman, but I still think that's a movie. I, I I haven't watched it in a while, but I I would bet that at least every minute you have one at least one decent joke. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I saw uh, that one much later, so I think it, it just kind of I'd already seen so many by the time I watched it that it didn't quite hit me as hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we uh, we were talking about this a little bit off mic, but I, I think an, another thing that's worth saying about just why I like Anchorman so much is that the style of comedy, and I, I guess you, you kind of hit on this or just in talking about how influential this was to you. It's a style of comedy that you can you can do with your friends so like you can watch anchorman and then and it just kind of like it's just like like you can just riff with your friends the way that these guys riff and you can like adopt absurd personas and like stay in that character for a while um so i i really like i really like that it's it's like it's a kind of movie that you don't just it, it really sticks with you, you know, the yeah. the whole spirit of comedy uh, can can really like. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think for me, too, it was like it was really informative to to just like my style of comedy. Yeah. And I also I think it's just such a quotable movie. They're, they throw out so yeah. many jokes that there's like there's so many lines. I mean, I, I just wrote down a few. Maybe you can. Do we want to do a quick, quick lightning round? Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. Did, do did you did you write down stuff, too? Um, I wrote some down, but I also maybe, just remember. We all just, right, yeah, we can maybe just we'll we'll just we'll just go back and forth, give like no context, yeah, or just minimal context, and just that's a, just yeah, yeah, that's a, or yeah, no jokes. context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. So I loved when Brick or when yeah, Brick says thirty-eight degrees in the Middle East, <laughs> talking <laughs> yeah. about the the Middle Eastern <laughs> part of the United States. <laughs> that that was also that was one of my favorites. Uh, um. I love so um Ron has taken taken uh Veronica to this great viewpoint. It's he says it's not a date, and then they're like at this super romantic spot. Um and he's talking about San Diego and he, he says, uh discovered by the Germans in nineteen oh four, 
They named it Santiago, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. That's a classic. I love that one. I think, let's see, the next one is a little shorter. Uh, when Brick says, um, did you buy that at the toilet store? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I use that one all the time in my daily life. Oh, that's yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. Um, let's see. Oh, man. Um, well, I... I, I, I can we... I can just keep going. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, okay. I'll, I Go loved it when Veronica says I've been practicing my non-regional diction. I just thought that was <laughs> such a weird line in this movie. That's so silly. Yeah. Um, well, I think they're they're wanting us to believe that she had a strong Southern accent because she yeah. came from a news station in North Carolina, and I feel like there's another reference to her being from the South. So yeah, that's yeah, but even though she just doesn't have an accent like that at all, so just that oh, weird no, reference yeah. to it, I really enjoyed yeah. um, all of the stuff about Dorothy Mantooth. Um, oh yeah, have her, <laughs> get her a nice steak dinner, like take her out to a nice steak dinner, and then not call her back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, um, um, Mantooth is the big rival. Um, let's see. I mean, I think we already hit on all of the Sex Panther stuff. Some of my other just favorite quotes is like. Um, my apartment smells of rich mahogany. I have many uh, leather-bound books. You might yeah. say people know me. I'm a <laughs> god walking amongst mere mortals. Just all the Wait, great doesn't ways. Wait, the narrator and... say that he's a god walking amongst? Mortals? Yeah, the narrator says that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all these describing Ron Burgundy. I like. I throw all of these in um, to for, for describing people now. Uh, on that same note, and this was several people use this as their yearbook quote. I remember in high school um, when Ron says, I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> yes, that was the last I was trying to. There's one oh. I was missing and that, that one's it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was honestly kind of killing me. Um, and then some <laughs> of the others you have. I love lamp. Just, just a, <laughs> I love a household lamp. classic. Um, and then you got um, let's see. Brosif? I don't know. Oh, did this movie invent Brosif? Good question. <laughs> like, yeah. I I don't know if I had ever heard it before this movie, and I it was kind of surprised when it was in this movie because I feel like yeah yeah I feel like it was early to something. So I, yeah. Oh, um, and well, let's not forget, milk was a bad choice. <laughs> I mean, you you know, milk was a bad choice is on my list. That's okay. One of my yeah. favorites. It's so yeah. damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> um amateur hour i didn't oh. realize that that was in this movie um ah. that's that's just one of my favorite things to say um let's see i just like that the um the dive bar he's at is called rocky's bar and fine dining <laughs> <laughs> i did not notice that i uh, just it's just that little detail that they throw in there yeah. um oh i, I think i already see. said this one but i i love it just after the fight and he just says Boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Just that's a great line that you exactly. can throw in lots of situations. Oh yeah, that, that works in any situation. Yeah. Um, and then um, Ron, I know it might sound harsh, but God doesn't want her to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is that's Brian descri describing Veronica's predicament. Um, <laughs> that's another another classic. And then you have um, go back to Whore Island. I think oh, that, yeah. that's just. How how can you not? How'd you go back to your one? home on Four Island? Yeah, yeah. The a lot of the stuff that he says to her, well, and some of the stuff she says back to. Uh, uh, what like, um, yeah. What are some of the other? 
I there's a lot there. <laughs> there were so many <laughs> there, I couldn't like, even like get to yeah. all of them because there was just firing too fast. Yeah. Um, and then, oh man. And then I love when, um, you know, Ron, he's said the F word on air. He's fallen from graces. And then you have the, um, the whatever, the station assistant, Garth. Um, he's just feels, he's like super, and it's kind of an innocent, mild mannered character. And yeah. He feels betrayed by ron and he's like why ron why he's like you poop mouth <laughs> just a big poop <laughs> mouth <laughs> just poop yeah. coming out of your mouth <laughs> yeah that's really I mean, that, good. that's just one of my favorite scenes so yeah um uh, I, I love when he says uh um he's talking about like i i'm i'm the man who invented the wheel and whatever and then, like you're just a woman with a small brain a brain a third the size of us it's science <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that they just like they just say something is science to like now now it's like you know it can't be exactly. questioned <laughs> and that's I feel like that's also like totally that's something that like is definitely said from like yeah. these, these dumb these dumb kind of yeah people similar to this do claim things are science all the time <laughs> yeah it's right. really not so it's also kind of yeah making fun of them as well so right yeah like the absurdity of uh the, the fact that the word is anchor man not like that's a <laughs> somehow that's a scientific fact um yeah oh um, man and then yeah and then let's see uh then there's the the burrito uh man this burrito is delicious but sure boy is it filling <laughs> he throws <laughs> it out, throws the it out. Yeah. Right. Hit jack black in the face yeah um, oh i I like um, Paul Rudd having like he has a name for for each of his <laughs> testicles. It's like James Westfold and Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. And somewhere I don't remember where I heard this, but I was listening to an interview with Paul Rudd, and he had a, he had a friend named James Westfold. So he just oh my he gosh. took his friends. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah. Oh, I, if if anyone has the unrated DVD, if you listen to the commentary, they pretty much don't talk about the movie at all. Uh, the first part is just Will Ferrell and Adam McKay talking about like what is what you can and can't say, um, and they just get into some very uh, um, a lot of bestiality talk, um, and then they just have like random people come on. And uh, like one guy punches Will Ferrell in the nose and he's like talking about how he might have a concussion. <laughs> so, yeah, check that out if you can. Great. Well, uh, I don't think we talked about what movie we're going to do next week. So that is TBD. But uh, like us and uh, like us on um, or sorry, follow us on, on Spotify Twitter and Spotify on, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Twitter. We are. Uh, we're um, at Movies with Heart. Um, that's H A R T. Uh, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. And I think that about does it. So thanks, everybody, and see you later. Thanks for listening. You can cut that out at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
we committed a grave error in recording our main segment for Anchorman, and we're going to try our best to remedy it. Paul, can again, you, we, we, yeah, we we are truly sorry um, for yeah. our mistake. It's, I mean, we talked about this before we recorded the episode. We were going to make sure to hit on this point, and we just we dropped the ball. So we are so sorry. You know, if you want to give us a a one star review, we totally understand. But um, we neglected to mention that this movie, just like the last movie we covered, Spy Kids, features Danny Trejo. Um, Paul, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about Trejo's performance? And uh... oh yes, it was an excellent Oscar-worthy performance, honestly, <laughs> in both movies. Um, but yeah, in, in this one, Trejo, he's a bartender. He's actually at the bar that's the the fine dining bar <laughs> that i mean we talked about and so he's yeah quite funny you know ron he's down on his luck he's in the bar he's complaining and then danny trejo gives him some excellent life advice and then he says i sorry i don't speak spanish yeah, yeah he's talking about how women can do stuff now <laughs> so i'm sorry i don't speak spanish um <laughs> Oh, and I also like when Ron goes into the bathroom to get himself cleaned up. And like one second later, he emerges. He's gone from like full beard to just, you know, a nice trimmed mustache. His hair looks perfect. And then he, he says, he's like, damn, that dude cleans up good. Um, so fine performance. Paul, which uh, if you had to choose, which Trejo performance did you think was better? I th- I think if I had to say I would go with the Anchorman performance. I think he gives oh, him yeah. a little more to do. Um yeah. I think I like the lore aspect of him in Spy Kids, yeah. but overall I would go Anchorman. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that he really um you know shows his comedic chops here. Um and I, I guess while we're talking about this scene, I, I also really love when uh <laughs> Ron pulls out it's like a conch shell, right? Yep. He's like, news team, assemble. And then uh, uh, um, Brian's like, oh, hey, Ron. Uh, he's like, oh, I, I didn't see you. Like, we've been here literally the entire time you have. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really funny. So, once again, we are so sorry. You know, this is not, this is only our fourth episode. We're still kind of working out, working out the kinks. We promise this will never happen again. And if you can find it in your hearts to forgive us, we would really appreciate that. 